Lessons from Leaders by Your Story. You're listening to Lessons from Leaders by Your Story. Shraddha Sharma, founder and CEO of Your Story, interviewed Bejul Somaya, managing director of Lightspeed Venture Partners. The interview started off by Bejul speaking about strategy, difference and capital. Bejul, uh, like everyone here in the Indian startup ecosystem, I'm also a huge fan and uh, let me begin with uh, this quote which I picked from you know your twitter you wrote that i choose to be an entrepreneur i am an entrepreneur i'm an entrepreneur in the venture capital business thanks thanks for those kind words um you know at lightspeed we are building a firm and we are building a franchise uh and we're building a business and it's a competitive industry just like uh what many of our entrepreneurs uh, that we work with have to do And so in that context I think of myself as an entrepreneur that's building a business that happens to be in the venture space. Um but you know what that means is that we have to think about a lot of the things that we ask our entrepreneurs to. What's our strategy? What's our differentiation? What do we stand for? We have to raise capital. Um how will we compete in a competitive industry? How, how will we win? Um and perhaps most importantly how do we attract the best people and enable them to do their best work because i am a real believer in in sort of this idea that companies are really just collections of people um and so if you if you can attract the most talented people if you can if you can enable them to be the best versions of themselves uh which is easier said than done um then then you know that that is a big part of building something special and we have to innovate and we have to adapt all, again all of these things that any regular company needs to do the spaces maybe that we're looking at today are different than the ones from 5 years ago so we need to learn we need to be constantly learning and and um i i think that's why i use the word entrepreneur um shraddha because every day we think about uh how we need to evolve Uh, how i need to evolve as a person um as a partner to entrepreneurs as a leader in our business um and as a firm you know what we need to do to to keep staying relevant and keep being the best partner that we can be to founders he went on to speak about being an entrepreneur in the us in the early 90s on your website you have written that the job that you do what the work that you do humility is very important what do you have to say about that and how do you look what's the lens you use to evaluate whether someone has humility or not um, because i think so you I do share the origins of this thank you for asking this question uh, it's not often uh, you know something that's asked in the context of the business we're in so thank you for picking on it so shraddha you know the origins of this for me were when i was an entrepreneur in the us in the uh, late 90s mm-hmm. uh, and was trying to raise capital and i remember um uh going up and down uh you know sandhill road and 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 other places to meet uh vcs and and feeling incredibly intimidated mm-hmm. um and uh and so you know and i had like i think any entrepreneur a very mixed set of experiences as a result of that as an entrepreneur in the venture business I, I, the one thing that's very clear to me and i think to all of us is we never want an entrepreneur to feel that way like i mm-hmm. felt it um and um i really believe that if there is any power equation in this industry uh it is in favor of the entrepreneur 
Um, yet, I think some people think it's the other way around. It is not the other way around. And um, and so that's where it comes from, is I think anytime you, you felt a certain way and you said, hey, we wanted to be different, right? That's number mm. one. Number two is just the reality, which is our success rides on the work that entrepreneurs do. If we are successful, it is because they are successful. Um, you know, and we should just never forget that. I mean, that's just, that's, that's the fact, um, you know, and, um, and so um, I just think that at the end of the day, uh, what we can do is, is bring the best of ourselves uh, to every situation and not come in with preconceived notions, ideas, or anything else. Um, and ultimately, I think we're in a service business. And, uh, and so I think there is no room for uh, ego uh, or a lack of humility. So what is it like to be a part of the venture environment? You were in a conventional sort of role. Uh, and then, of course, you were a founder yourself. Just want to understand the switch and what does that mean yeah. from operating role to being a VC? Yeah. You know, the hardest part, um, I, 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 I remember this. The hardest part was as an entrepreneur, you are used to so much action all the time right um and there's you know operating environments are fast-paced every day you get feedback on how you're doing your customers will tell you your numbers will tell you and then i came into the venture environment and it was like oh my gosh like <laughs> i mean it's the opposite of that right it, it's almost it, it's somewhat cerebral analytical detached it can be detached from the action um, and so you're like, this just feels very unnatural, right? Yeah. And then what it can lead to is it can lead to a lot of busy work because I think we all um, identify somehow productivity and busyness with um, our worth or our identity. Yeah. You start getting busy and then you realize and you, and you start questioning, or at least I did, Am I busy on the right stuff? Like, does any of this matter? And uh, in a in a in a business where you won't know if you're any good, you won't know if you're any good, and if anything you're doing matters, probably for seven to ten years, right? So it's like, oh my gosh, um, it, it's night and day. And how? And and then you get to this more existential question of, am I any good at this? And um, you know, I, I can just say that um, this business does not do wonders for self-confidence. It really tests it, <laughs> um, and uh, in a way that I think is different than uh, than operating environments. Um, so that was a big adjustment. What was his biggest learning? It's very easy to come into things, especially when one has been an operator, thinking that you know the answer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and therefore having a bit more of a prescriptive approach uh, with founders. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've learned that, um, you know, um, every situation is different. And also in any given situation, there are potentially several different answers that are all viable, right? And so I think it's really caused me to one of the things I've been working on is how do I stay open-minded, objective, listen, 
and um and and then apply my mind given the situation that is in front of me now right and um and to resist being prescriptive and to actually help founders unpack their own thinking because they're actually again i mean you know in your business like you are closest to your market you are closest to your team you know your capabilities you are closest to your customers what can i possibly tell you that you don't already know right but maybe i can help you access some of the things that you know but you're not focusing on it, it, i think it really is about helping people find their their own answer um and one of the things that's often said about venture that i disagree with strongly is this idea of patent recognition <laughs> i think patent recognition is i'm going to i'm not going to use the word i was going to use um uh but i think it is at a minimum it is lazy because no situations actually ever occur in exactly the same way right so when we when we think there's a pattern and now we jump to a conclusion um you know this sort of and and look as operators you have to do that right you're you're just you're hard and fast so this idea of being able to you know kind of hold off of jumping to answers and um and just being very present and um and and listening um and resisting the urge to you know parachute in and be prescriptive i think was probably an area of my biggest learning bejul also spoke about the different countries and markets so bejul i also have to ask you about the third uh, fund that lightspeed uh, india partners raised its 275 million uh, dollars early yeah. stage fund uh, and and, yeah. and the total investment that lightspeed has invested is already invested 750 million dollars right yeah So congratulations a, a huge recent announcement uh, any change Thank in your investment uh, uh, strategy sectors because right now there's so many things happening in this pandemic world you know i think sectors shraddha will will obviously always keep evolving and one of the things that we we do is we at the end of each year we'll look at what companies did we find interesting you know in this last year and then we also look at prior years and i cannot tell you i mean you know um if you look back at 2007 2008 um it's insane right the nature of the opportunity has just completely changed so yeah you know sectors sectors um we you know will will consistently evolve um but contrary to popular belief we are not dreaming up uh, new areas entrepreneurs are dreaming up new areas and uh <laughs> and you know we are we are um learning from them and uh and responding to them um i think really what's most exciting for us is this idea and and it's also disconcerting is this idea that um not a lot has changed for us i think we uh we continue to want to um support uh really talented founders um very early very early in their journeys um to build what we hope and what they hope will be very large companies um and you know i think the one thing one way we've operated really since the beginning is is trying to be very first principles about what needs to exist in this country mm. you know it's nice to know that something worked in china it's nice to know that it worked in the us it's nice to know that okay but just because it worked somewhere else 
yeah. is not an answer to why it needs to exist in India. Another important discussion during the interview was about Indian Energy Exchange. One of our earliest investments, Indian Energy Exchange, um, in 2009 or 10 that we invested in, you know, um, our partners in the US asked the question, where else in the world has this happened? And we, we looked and the answer was nowhere. Um, and then, and then we had to explain why we believed, right. That it needs to exist in India. And, um, and I think that has been emblematic of, of the way we go about our work, right. Which is why, why does this need to exist in the context of this country at this time and in this market, why does this need to exist? Um, and I think that's led us to many, um, I, I would say, in a sense, these very uniquely Indian ideas, right? Whether it was Indian energy exchange in the context of the uniquely Indian power market, whether it was its cash in the context of a very heavy prepaid economy, uh, whether it was Oyo versus more of a marketplace-like company, you know, um, in the context of the economy segment in India, or Baiju's again, more full stack, or Uran, where, you know, people are saying B2B, you know, B2B companies aren't worth <laughs> as much as B2C, right? Um, and so I think it's always been, well, let's look at the, the structure of this country, share chat, you know, and, and so I think we continue to do that. Um, we want to work with founders who are deeply connected to the market, hmm. um, you know, and, and you get a sense that they're living and breathing and they're seeing something, you know, that, that most other people aren't. Um, and so I, I think we want to really just keep doing that. Like I said, the sectors will evolve uh, in response to a constantly changing opportunity set. Bejul also spoke about high capital intensity and thin margins. Something which I really want to pick on is that, you know, you don't believe in pattern matching. How have you consciously been able to, you know? Yeah. So Shraddha, the first thing I'd say is, see, when I say pattern match matching, you know, is, um, is not the right answer. What I mean by that is pattern matching may get you to 80% of the right answer, mm. right? For example, I, I know because I've made the mistake that if you get into a company that let's say has, you know, very high capital intensity and very thin margins and very high logistical complexity and a founder that, you know, um, isn't really switched on to the need to hire great people, then likely that situation will not be a good situation, right? Um, mm. So, but but eighty percent isn't what it takes to win, right? So the value is in is in that twenty percent, right? Yeah. We can all get to eighty percent, right? Yeah. So you know, the value lies in that twenty percent, where invariably you may be going against the pattern. Not, not because you, you want to be contrarian, but because when you ask these first principles questions, you end up in a place that actually is different than the pattern, mm, mm. right? And I think when we do that, and if we get that right, is when you have outliers, right? Yeah. And ultimately, ultimately, we are in the business of trying to identify and be a part of those journeys, okay? Um, and so I think it's necessary on one hand to say, okay, let me, let me understand my mental chatter. There's a pattern I'm seeing. And then to consciously choose, 
okay, am I gonna am I gonna let this impact what I do next, or am I gonna in this case maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna be aware of it, but I'm gonna set it aside, and I'm now gonna do the work, right? So I think that has to be a bit of a conscious choice, and in some cases we'll say, you know, we've seen this before enough times that okay, we're gonna not progress here, and then we we may be right, we may be wrong. Um, and then there'll be a set of times that, okay, I, I, I sense that, that there's some dots I'm connecting, but let me hold off. It's back to, let me not rush to judgment, right? Mm. Let me just, let me understand the situation for what it is. Bajul also spoke about how the most expensive mistakes are not the investments. You know, one of the reasons that actually we, um, we continue to be fairly disciplined on our fund sizes, Shraddha, is to force this clarity, right? Mm. Because, you know, yes, there may be money to be made here and here and here in the same way that for a company, a company could do 10 things. You could start getting into merchandising of your story, right? And you could, I mean, you could say, I'm going to move into other markets and all of these things, right? But it's the same thing we also say to entrepreneurs, what are you going to win at? Yeah. Right? So for us, sometimes it forces us to say, hey, yes, there may be money to be made there but that is not for us. Mm. So let's do what we know how to do, what we think, actually I shouldn't say what we know how to do, but what we think we know how to do, <laughs> what, we are, what we are equipped to do. Um, and uh, if there's something here that someone else is doing, um, but it doesn't make sense to us, or it, it doesn't fit our first principles approach, then that's okay. But yeah, you know, you, you, you have to constantly reflect because we'll get things wrong and then you have to go back and say, okay, what, what do we learn from, you know, our errors and our misses? Um, and one of the most interesting things, and I don't think I would have said this five or seven years ago, is the most expensive mistakes we'll make are not the investments that we make and get wrong. It's the ones that we miss. <laughs> Um, and so then that leads to actually a very different introspection um, about some of this stuff. Bejul spoke about early data and its importance. I just want to understand that how have you got it right consistently? So the first thing is uh, I have not got it right consistently. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, you know, um, let's let's be honest with the data. Um, you know, I'm I'm like anyone else, working in in progress. Um, I think that um, it's a very hard question to answer, Shraddha, because um, uh, you know every situation is is different, and um, and you know it's not that when I make an investment or when we make an investment that something seems so obvious. There's there's a lot of questions, um, but I, I think that um, I really I really care a lot about and I focus a lot on people. Mm. And it comes back to my earlier comment. Um, ultimately, I think, given how early we invest, if we get the people decision right and the market decision right, mm. usually good things happen. Um, but even if you just get the people decision right, then um, there's a reasonable chance that good things still happen. When you get both right, I mean, magic can happen, right? And then business model, the right people in the right market will evolve to the right business model. So I actually worry least about that. Um, mm. And what I try and do is there's always, there's a hundred reasons why a company won't work. Like if, if you know, on every investment, it's like, 
right? So I, I try not to get bogged down in that noise of why something won't work because I could write an essay on why any of these companies shouldn't have worked, wouldn't have worked. As every new company, the world is stacked against you. I mean, let's face yeah. it, right? The, I mean, right? The the ecosystem is not striving for your success. Actually, it's yeah. conspiring against your success. So. I, I try and really simplify it down to to people and markets, um, and uh, and is there sort of a strong tailwind as to why something needs to exist in this area? Um, but I would say of all of these, I probably spend most time on on the people side, and um, you know perhaps I think that's reflected in our willingness to invest as early as we have. Uh, in many cases, you know, Uran was was uh, you know company inception. Um, uh, Oyo, you know, uh, Ritesh had had two properties. Um, IEX was very early. Um, one assistant Lime Road, we 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 almost put in business. You know, some recent. So I think I think it's reflected in that in that willingness to go early because, you know, I, I say this, which is early data. In my mind, is um, it says nothing. <laughs> um, we're all human beings, and if you show me early data, I I can force fit it to whatever I want to believe. Yeah. I will find the stuff that I like, and I can find the stuff that I don't like. Right? Yeah. And the reality is, data is not static; it will change. Yeah. And so I almost feel that when when you're forced to make a decision in the absence of data. Then you have to think most cleanly about the person or the people and the market, um, and it's scary. But I actually think it really forces clean thinking um, because you can't now, you know, pick some data and start, you know, making a story about it. He also went on to speak about people and experiences. What do you think are some of the drivers that have worked? Uh, for Lightspeed India partners, what do you think are some of the things that you would say have not worked for our ecosystem and could be better? Sharda, as it relates to to Lightspeed, um, I'm going to come back to something that and 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 uh, that that you've heard already from me. Um, it's the people, mm. and um, I just think we, you know, the the, the team that we've been able to assemble. Um, you know, is is outstanding. Um, and when you look at 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 least our team, and I'm not suggesting this is different. I'm just saying it works for us, or right or wrong, is it, it's it's a very um, diverse group of people, uh, diverse in experiences, diverse in backgrounds. We're and we're all shaped by our experiences, right? Um, and so as we did this, we said, "Gosh, how can we bring people?" That just have had such different experiences to bear, because in this face, in the face of this ambiguity, it's not about trying to find the right answer. There is no right answer. It is about trying to understand this ambiguity as fully as we can, and then make as good a decision as we can. Now we can only understand something fully if people see it dif- from different angles. Yeah. If we all see it from the same angle, we'll all see the same thing. Right, but if I see it from this angle 
and Harsha, because of her experiences in, in product and engineering, sees it from this angle. And Weber, who was a doctor, sees it from this angle. And Hemant, who's been, you know, an engineer and kind of comes from the enterprise, sees it from this angle. And Dev, who is the opposite of me, you know, um, <laughs> you know, sees it in this angle, you know, and Shuvi and, and Pin and Akshay. And I sort of feel like then, then we'll understand something, right? And so one is, it's the diversity of this team. And then the second is creating an internal environment where people can be fully authentic and they can say whatever it is that they want to say. There's no point hiring really talented, diverse people if then the environment says, don't take risks. Right? <laughs> so, so, so I think we've invested a lot in, in the internal chemistry and culture of the firm so that people can really show up as they are. They can say what they think. They can take the risks that they need to take. And there's this, there's this sense of purpose which aligns us all, right? So we're all, we're all wanting the same thing, but the how we do it could be quite different, right? Mm. And if we can harness that, um, I just think that's so powerful. During the interview, founder and CEO of Your Story, Shraddha Sharma, was also curious to know about founders, investors, and the understanding. How do you achieve this founders, investor fit? You know, what is fit? What does it even mean? Does it mean <laughs> that I like you and we'll hang out? Or does it mean that I respect you, um, but I may not want to hang out with you? Does it mean we should agree on everything and we should see the world the same way. Like, what does it even mean, right? Yeah. Um, and, um, and and the way I think about it is, is we should understand each other. Mm. And and I think founders and investors should understand each other. Um, and um, that doesn't mean that um, you and I may always, if, if let's say uh, I was fortunate enough to be an investor in your journey, that doesn't mean that we will always agree with one another. Mm. But if we understand each other and we respect each other, then we will listen to each other. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's really important, right? It's not about who has the right answer, but it's again, you know, are we listening to the different perspectives? And is there general alignment? Yeah. Right. So, you know, if a venture investor thinks that the way to win in this space is to um, subsidize the offering heavily and to scale very rapidly, right? But the founder does not believe that. Yeah. Right? You you definitely want to figure that out before the money gets wired. Right? <laughs> or vice versa. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, you know, one of the things we do, Shraddha, before any investment is we, we just spend time you know, with founders, obviously getting to know each other, but also talking about what's important, you know, in the way that the founder is thinking about the business over the next 12 to 18 months. What what are mm. the things he or she is focusing on? And we often talk about this idea of milestones. It's not about numbers, right? But, but do we broadly align that product market fit is important, right? Before we scale, okay. Mm. Uh, now let's talk about what product market fit means. How will we know? What are the kinds of metrics we look at? Do we broadly agree that we'll want to make hires in these, let's say these two areas? Okay, 
um, let's talk about maybe what kinds of people these are. Let's exchange resumes. And, and so I, this is something that we do just to get a sense of, are we on the same wavelength? Mm. Yeah. And I think that is important because this is a long journey and it's, it's never a straight line. So conviction is always tested at some point in that journey. It is always tested. Yeah. The company will hit an air pocket and an investor will have to figure out whether they can take this leap of faith, right? Yeah. And I think it's, you know, in order to make a leap of faith, you have to understand the other person and you have to know that there is this fundamental alignment, um, you know, and I, I think if those two things are in place, then, you know, that partnership can endure. Bejul spoke about cost reduction and survival. Again, a favorite subject of mine, empathy. How have you looked at the last few months? How have you worked with your uh, companies? And what would you like to tell the companies who in whom you would have not invested, but are still, you know, struggling? Shraddha, the most um, moving message that I got, this was, I think, in April or May, um, was from a founder that we work with. And at that time, lockdown, so you mm. know, everything was... You know, and uh, and he sent me this message saying, um, I just had to do the most inhumane thing I've ever done, uh, which is to let someone go um, without even being able to meet this person in person. Like I had to do it over Zoom. Yeah. And. Um, you know, it's just, that is tough for everyone involved. And it is so easy sometimes as, as VCs, you know, it's numbers and it's on a, it's on an Excel and well, the cost is too high. So these things have to happen, right? And yes, there is a reality to that. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, uh, I remember in the first startup I was, I was a part of that, um, uh, where we had to do a very significant cost reduction. Um, the board brought in this advisor and, uh, and the advisor spent all of 25 minutes with us and then said, let me tell you what you guys need to do. <laughs> and, and basically said, you need to, you need to uh, let 80% of the people go. You need to reduce costs by that. And I remember thinking to myself, by the way, what I can say with hindsight, he was right. Mm. Okay. Mm. But he was also a jerk. <laughs> Yeah. So, so, you know, because there was no empathy, there was no sense of understanding yeah. what does that mean to us, the relationships we have with these people, them, their family, you know, all of these things, right? So this idea, you know, we can get to the right answer, but we can do it with empathy. Like these are not mutually exclusive, yeah. right? So, you know, I think, um, I, I think, all of the companies um, that are out there that we work with, the most important thing is survival because if we don't survive, then no jobs are preserved. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but I think doing things with humanity, with empathy, um, with transparency, um, the, these are ultimately, it's like, I think these are just foundational. Ethics, intent and values were also a few key highlights from the interview. We've seen an overwhelming number of startups have some, as they say, some kind of a, a you know, story. 
just want to understand what you have to say bejul and i'm asking you because i know for you what i see of you what i read of you these are important things so tell us how do so, we build it the right way you know and and shraddha this is something actually you know i'd love to chat with you more about because it's become more acute for me as well you know and there's one word i also want to add in the things that you said which is ethics um and um you know i've noticed actually a deterioration in ethics um and um you know i found i found one one monday we were having this conversation internally where it turned out that a founder um of a of a company that we'd been evaluating um you know had misrepresented the status of his financing and and we came to find out so we were having this discussion and um you know there was a you know there's a chorus of hey this but this happens all the time like this is sales so it was really interesting because i mean okay it happens all the time it's selling and pushing the envelope like there's that and it isn't harming anyone and all of those things but as i there was something that didn't sit well with me because you know the question i asked was are we now getting into a discussion of when is it okay to lie <laughs> that if if i'm lying to sell and my and my intent is pure it's okay but if i'm lying you know but my intent is not pure then then it's not okay and mm-hmm. how like are we are we going to be the arbiters of all of these things like that's getting into pretty gray area right but it was i think and and uh, i think what my eyes were open to shraddha was there's a lot more of this in the ecosystem than i had appreciated so mm-hmm. maybe i was trying to inhabit a different world and so i'm trying to now come to grips with exactly what you're saying which is gosh it seems like there's more of this than i thought now what does that mean right and at least you know at, at the firm level i think we're pretty straightforward which is so much is just built on trust if you and i are working together and i call you and i say shraddha how how are things going and how how are you feeling and what are you seeing and you say things to me then i build my conviction on the basis of those conversations right <laughs> now if in those conversations i am being not told the truth yeah what happened right and isn't that also selling yeah right so um if you can my view is if you can tell a small lie you can tell a big lie um and so i think for us it's pretty black and white but there needs to be more conversation around around this and obviously ethics is easier right but like you said when you get into values those are more subjective right yeah. and um and we can't impose our values on others um you know if it's ethically okay you know but i think through the choices we make and the influence we have we can say look the, these things are important to us and i think that's our responsibility uh to do that but no yeah. easy answers bejul went on to speak about being authentic and different you've invested in some very good companies very phenomenal companies what has been your assessment because you anchor on the people you anchor on the relationships how do you look at good entrepreneurs mm. good is subjective but still yeah I'll give you an example Shraddha of how I might answer this question right which is number 1 is I think there are all different um 
shapes and sizes of people and types of people that are successful. So, you know, I <laughs> yeah. think sometimes there is there is stereotype stereotyping done and maybe we we are exposed more to these brash maybe you know entrepreneurs that are very obviously force of nature type people um, <laughs> and, um, you know and so therefore one thinks that you need to be that way and by the way some people uh, think that way for investors as well that you need to be cold blooded right and very clinical and um, uh, and i've wondered that uh, myself um, <laughs> you know um but i'll give you an example right so sometimes you would meet entrepreneurs and someone you know maybe the observation is because there's an assumption that you have to be aggressive to succeed right so they said hey actually is that the right word let's question the word because if it's aggressive then i can show up with very positive body language i can say i'm going to win i'm going to conquer the world i'm going to build a 10 billion dollar company i'm in your face i'm talking like this i have high energy and you may think i'm aggressive Yeah. right that's all surface that's all surface so what is it that we're looking for and this is the thing about people which is let's do away with the labels right what is it that we're looking for and i'll take a cricket analogy was rahul dravid aggressive <laughs> he wasn't aggressive yeah but was he incredibly intense yes was he a force of nature was he unwilling to give up his wicket was he persistent was he the epitome of determined was he resourceful could you count on him would he just grind it out yes yes but yes. was he aggressive was he flamboyant no no right so i think it's i think it really is let's let's get into the essence of what it takes and then let's try and get into the essence of who this person is and um and 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 that's i think what what you know i try and look for and and then what i found is actually the people that are most powerful are those that are most authentic and operating in a way that is most true to themselves um you know and uh and um i think you feel it right you experience it yeah. when you're in the presence of those kinds of people it again not about right or wrong and i'm yeah, not yeah, saying yeah. they'll be successful or not successful but you know when someone is lined up with their life's work you know and it means something like you can you can experience something that's that's different bejul also had something interesting to say about digital india and entrepreneurship you know right now uh, bejul in india we are hearing this uh, whole trend which is hopefully a very positive trend of atmanirbhar bharat uh, you know self reliant india and and made in india and 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 you know the tension with china uh, there are so many apps which have been banned uh, also many people are saying this is a great opportunity for indian startups indian businesses to grow i want to understand what do you think and second is what would you like to tell all the entrepreneurs out there living through this pandemic and all this atmanirbhar movement happening what would you like to tell everyone You know, I I'm so I'm so excited by it. Um and uh and um one of our partners Hemant has kind of spearheaded this come home and build. Mm-hmm. Um you know, idea to because there's been a lot of folks in the US given what's happening there, you know, that are really interested in coming home. And um you know, look, could we be more fortunate to be doing what we're doing in this country at this time? Right? And and that doesn't mean it's a straight line but nothing is a straight yeah. line yeah um 
you know, and nothing is going to get handed to us. But this opportunity in a, in a country like this at this time when the government is so committed to um, digital India, to entrepreneurship, to this idea of self-reliance, you know, but yet not taking it to an extreme. Right. Yeah. So I, I think it's so powerful. And, and when I look at, you know, these entrepreneurs and I look at what they've done, it's actually incredible. I mean, in not that long a period of time, Shraddha, 10 years ago, if we'd been sitting here and we'd have said there will be companies that will be worth, you know, 30 companies that will be worth north of a billion dollars that do not exist today, right? Um, that are in, in this variety of areas um, that are started by people like ever anyone, yeah. right? A rich, you know, I know there's a lot of these things about IITs. Yes, young IIT grads, but also people who are not. Um, yeah. Iju doesn't have that kind of pedigree. Ritesh doesn't have that. I think we'd have sat, you said you're crazy. You're crazy that that will happen in 10 years. Okay. So now let's imagine what will happen in the next 10 years. And that, yeah. you know, 10 years ago, there was no Aadhaar. The Aadhaar was not an idea. There was no UPI, it was not an idea. There was no geo, it was not an idea, right? The largest companies were maybe a hundred million dollar type revenue. You didn't have this flywheel in the ecosystem and momentum, yet we have come that way in 10 years. So now we have momentum. What will happen in the next 10 years? Yeah. I, I don't think I can answer that question, but but what I think I know or I feel in my bones is it's going to be amazing. What I want to say is the entrepreneurs will create that future, right? As they already are doing. Um, and so, I, you know, I just think it's an incredible time to be building. Um, and uh, I hope more risk capital comes into the market. I don't yeah. hope that as an investor because it's more competition for us, but I hope that <laughs> for entrepreneurs. Um, yeah. Because it, 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 it's sort of the catalyst for people to go on their journeys and, uh, and go in pursuit of their dreams, which I think is incredible. Catch the full interview with Bejul Somaya and founder and CEO of Your Story, Shraddha Sharma, on yourstory.com. Thanks for listening to Lessons from Leaders by Your Story. Lessons from Leaders by Your Story.